0: Hey, my name's Isaac Niles. I'm an ex-pro cyclocross racer. I raced with the Canadian national team, as well as a few private pro teams. You're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters.
1: We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind.
2: It's time for another episode of the Pro
3: Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams.
0: On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are
3: something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered.
1: Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off.
3: Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. This episode all three of us are on it every single one three musketeers three amigos three stooges good things come in three rest in peace to take off anyways ladies and gentlemen i have with me today the man the myth the legend he's actually real so i guess not really a myth or legend but he's the guy who knows all about nfts if you subscribe to our newsletter you know all about it he talks about it all the time how to make money on it how to trade anything sports related this man is the guy who makes me and my other partner, Nee, sound really good. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Kobe DeRong. Kobe, how you doing?
1: I'm good, buddy. It's good. It's an easy job making you guys sound good. and been making bank on the SoRare platform lately, so I'm feeling fantastic, man. Uh, SoRare
3: is so much fun, especially if you're new to NFTs and kind of don't know if you want to really invest heavily into it. This is like essentially a free platform that allows you to kind of go off, and we love that because free is good on a budget. Have you seen the housing market? But speaking of that, we have the other triumphant person here, the one who has the accent, and the accent adds 10 likes to every video because he's so good with it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our brother from down under, Ni Wallace-Bruce. Ni, how you doing? I'm not too bad, Justin. How are you doing? Uh, You know, living the dream. Can't really complain. And today we have a guest who we've had on before. Very excited to talk to him again. This man is just he's an elite level athlete. He's constantly training, constantly winning. He's like the Michael Phelps of bike riding in Cyclodome. Like, this guy's just amazing. And I'm very lucky to call him essentially my neighbor. I'm pretty sure if I sit on top of my roof, I can see his house. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dylan bibic Dylan, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? Can't really complain. So before we got started today, you were talking about uh, a bit of a hard training session today. What did you do that was so difficult that you're not already used to doing as a top elite champion?
2: I guess similar to my uh, Worlds preparation, I'm uh, preparing for Champions League now, and uh, unlike Worlds, the races are more condensed and shorter. But that doesn't mean they're necessarily easier. They're uh, they're harder for shorter amount of time. So. I've been riding behind the motorbike on the track for sixty laps now, and I would sprint every ten laps and I would just keep the hard pace the whole
3: time. Damn, what's the recovery like for that do you have a do you have a day off or is it like a two day off kind of recovery period? uh no, it's like back to back days like
2: i may, usually maybe I'll get like one recovery day a week one recovery my god
3: my next door neighbor is a cyclist actually she's trying to get on team canada and she was saying the same thing she's like yeah like monday is my recovery but i still have to lift weights and i was like is that, is that even recovery then yeah so do you uh do you go to the gym too then for your recovery yes yeah, uh twice
2: a week usually
3: now is it redundant to work legs or is that just kind of like a thing you always have to work on your work days
2: i mean i'm only really like work legs in the gym mm-hmm. i'm only in the gym twice a week so it's not too redundant. If I was in the gym like all the time, like a like a normal gym person, maybe it'd get redundant. But it's only twice a week. Yeah, that's fair.
1: Yeah, hold on. You said behind the the motorbike.
2: Yeah, it's like kind of like uh, in NASCAR, where like if you're in behind the cars, you saved energy. But with this, you get like the to work on your like speed while working hard behind the motorbike. It simulates racing better, I guess.
1: Oh, okay. So you're basically drafting somebody on a motorbike? Is that what's going on? Yeah, that's the word. Oh, awesome. I I didn't even know that was a thing. So, all right. So another thing we learned today, always learn something when you come on, Dylan. Always learn something. Yeah. Now, you went and became the first Canadian to win a UCI elite level world championship. Is that correct? Uh, First man in uh, 40 years. From Canada
2: and first ever endurance uh, Canadian ever to win a elite title. And what were your expectations going in? I, I set my goals with my coach. The The goal was to get a medal and to get invited to the Champions League, but uh, I guess I just proved to everyone what I can really do.
1: So you were kind of expecting the podium, but to, to win it all, that wasn't really what you expected to, to happen going in?
2: Uh, in all honesty, I did not know what to expect. Like I've never raced on this level before. It's, it's nothing compared to winning a junior title. Like a junior title is like only like two years of people you have to go against. Now I have to go against like the best in the world, like the great, some of the greatest of all time cyclists.
1: Okay. And this was a 15 kilometer scratch race. Uh, yeah. Can you explain what a scratch race is? I guess it would be the most straightforward
2: race to a person looking in on track cycling it's just uh 15 kilometers first one across the line wins so just like a typical race i guess
1: and how big of a group is in it
2: so the way it works is it's 24 people max but to get into that group of 24 people you need to like do races throughout the year to collect up uci points okay which is like the the point system in cycling and if you're in the top uh 18 riders i think it is you get to go race worlds and then the next spots are uh, qualifications through your um, continent. So, like, if you're a continental champion, you get the automatic in. All right.
1: So, do you know what your ranking was going in?
2: Oh, I think I was one of the, like, the lower-ranked guys. Like, I think, like, somewhere, like, honestly, around, like, 18th to 20th, I think.
1: You should have called me, man. I would have placed a bet. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should have called me.
0: Yeah, that's a heck of an effort, Dylan, and congratulations for that. You you put the country on the map. You Thank mentioned you. that you're you've now qualified for the Champions League by doing that. Tell us a little bit more about that competition. How does that work in in your sport?
2: I guess it's almost like a you could you could compare it to like a league almost. It's a uh, over a course of course of like a month, and there's five race weekends, and. Uh, the double the last weekend's a double race weekend, and each day it's a scratch race, which I'm world champion in, and then uh, an elimination race, which is a different format of the race. And over the course of the five races, if you uh, accumulate the most points, if overall score in the whole races, you are the track champions winner. But it's still impressive if you win like a day. It's like these they pick the best riders in the world. Like you have to be crazy qualified in order just to go to this.
0: Absolutely. And and where is the Champions League being held this year? Uh it's all over Europe. Uh
2: makes sense because Europe's like the like it's like one of their major sports cycling. Uh the first location's Mallorca, Spain, then uh Berlin, Germany, then like Paris, France, and then the final days in uh London.
0: Nice. Hey, you get to see some sights in between. That's Oh, oh yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's nice one right, so with that intense schedule
3: is it is it like back to back to back to back to back, or is it like two days of racing and then a break day of racing break? How does that work
2: um it's once a week, so it's okay. pretty reasonable actually. it's every like uh, Saturday I think, and um you race basically, you basically the way I work is you race at the velodrome then like the next day, really, you, you go to the next velodrome and you have like six days to prepare for the next race. So it'll be a bit interesting having to like figure out how to train while still performing well.
3: Yeah, uh, that was going to lead me to my next question. I'm assuming your coach has a game plan for this.
2: Yeah, and... it's actually your, yeah, he's coming with me to the Champions League. I, it's a weird coaching, like I never really see my coach in person. He lives across the country. He okay. coaches me through email mostly. <laughs> so it'll be cool to spend time with them.
3: You're like, ah, you're much taller in person. Yeah. Okay, so you race on Saturday, Sunday you're over in a different velodrome doing your thing. That's gotta be a lot of work on your body, plus travel time and all that. Is there is a, there has to be some kind of like dietary thing going on too. Do you just have a dietitian going with you too, or is it just like don't eat McDonald's? Like what's happening?
2: Uh I haven't been told too much but I think it's it's a very very organized uh, thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So from what I've been told all the riders stay in a hotel. Okay. Walking distance from each track and uh the hotel will just cover all the food for the most part.
3: Brilliant. Hopefully it's some five-star gourmet food. <laughs> yeah, it will probably just be chicken and rice like all with the cyclist swan. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of salt for sodium just cuz it's cheat day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the recent World Championships that you won in in October was held in France. Is it at a velodrome that will be part of the upcoming Summer Olympics?
2: I believe so, yes. I don't know if it's been officially announced, but it's like all signs point, I think, to it's going to be this track. So it's really cool that I got to compete on what's likely to be the Paris 2024 track leading into this upcoming
1: Olympics. Okay, and are there any scratch events that are Olympic events?
2: Yeah, so it's a part of uh, – in the, the, the Olympics, it works a bit differently from Worlds. So to be an Olympic champion in endurance, you have to do what's called the Omnium. And it's four races. It's the uh, scratch race, which is what I'm World Champion in.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Then uh, a tempo race, which is uh, – a po- it's like a point every lap, and whoever has the most points at the end wins. And then an elimination race where every two laps, a rider gets eliminated off the back. So it makes for, for really like aggressive racing. And then the final race of points race where every 10 laps, there's sprints for five, three, two, one points. And if you lap the field, it's 20 points.
1: Okay. Hold on. The elimination race. That sounds interesting. So even on the first lap, if you're trailing, you're done. Uh, it's, it's
2: every two laps. Okay. But yeah, it, it's like, it's very hectic. Like it's probably the most aggressive race in track cycling.
1: And all of these races will be com- competed upon on the same track.
2: Yeah, within the if it if it goes to like the Olympic rules, it's within three hours.
1: Oh shit! Okay, so yeah. how much of an advantage then is it to have been successful on that particular track if they actually use it?
2: Um, I I find it doesn't make too much of a difference to me. A track's just a track. Oh really? But I guess getting yeah, I like all like most like eighty percent of all tracks are pretty similar
1: with like just how they ride. Now, you have a track that you practice on close to us, correct? Yeah, in uh, Milton, Ontario. Okay, so how does that track compare to the one that you rode in France?
2: It's pretty similar, I guess. The one in France, um, I think the corners are a bit longer. So, okay. it, it, The only difference that makes is it's harder to pass people sometimes because you're in the corner going around a longer distance. All right, all right. And then also the, the track is just like wider
0: there's more room for cyclists to, like, come around you. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting.
1: With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino.
0: It's available across the
3: U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus.
1: Okay, and then, so what's required for you to qualify for the Olympics? What do you have to achieve?
2: It's similar to the, uh what I said earlier about the UCI points. Mm -hmm. So this upcoming year is the Olympic qualifying year. So I'm going to have to go to what's called nation's cups, which is like the next highest race besides worlds and, uh, and worlds too, it is included in Olympics qualifier. And, uh, I think you have to be like just top 24 in the world and you get to go.
1: Now last we spoke, I mean, the majority of races that you, you compete upon in Canada you you flat out told us that basically you win everything yeah. obviously you've got a sense of confidence in those particular races how did you feel going into this race in France oh I, I had no
2: clue I knew I, I could be confident that uh, going into this race weekend that I have, I'm as fit as I could possibly be given the preparation I've been given so I had that to know, but I really like, I looked at videos from the past and I'm like, Oh wow, this is going to be hard. But <laughs> when it came to the race, I just, I did, worked on instinct and did what came naturally to me.
1: And going into say the final lap or the final couple of laps, given your position, you knew you had a chance at winning it. Was there anyone else in the race that you had sort of kept an eye on during that race? honestly
2: my my teammate was selling me all these people but I didn't I, I don't think I properly did my research like I didn't know these people too much but apparently they were really good for a lot of them like I knew a few of them but they would like the people I knew would win in different ways so the people who could win in a sprint I wasn't too aware of them but it's a sprint's pretty straightforward you just kind of goes all out and see how you do
1: it's crazy, man. You you make it sound like it's just so natural for you. Like you you'd think there was ridiculous amounts of preparation when it comes to the strategy behind it, but it looks like you just found yourself in position at the end and won it. It's it's crazy to listen to, Dylan. Man, I kind of want to watch that race now. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's intriguing. I got to ask, what as uh, an elite cyclist like yourself is it best to be racing? On the inside or on the outside? That's the thing I've always wanted to to know.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think it just depends on the circumstance, really. Like for this track, like I said, it, it's a longer corner, so it's going to be harder to pass. But typically, if, if you're leading it out, you have to go earlier to get the bottom line of the track on the inside, which requires uh, less time in the draft. So it's like there's trade offs, right? So I think. Me personally, I like coming around the outside because i can I can just see what I have to do to get there, whereas if you're leading it out on the inside, you have to just just go all out and not know what to expect.
0: right, okay, so there's a little bit more certainty when you're coming from the outside, yeah, of, of what you need to do, interesting,
3: Justin. Dylan, what do you think your biggest concern is going into these upcoming races obviously aside from from winning is it fatigue is it competition like what's your biggest kind of keeps you up at night
2: uh oh, that's a hard one I think uh, definitely to win the champions League you need to be very consistent like if mm-hmm. you have one bad race that's like you you're pretty much a write-off for winning the overall so I I, I just hope it's there's like nothing like terrible happens or I I believe I can be consistent if I don't have mechanicals, but there's some things that are just, you can't control.
3: Okay. Which kind of then leads me to my next question. Uh, in terms of your, your bike, is there somebody who's going to be there? Who's an exclusive to only your bike and is a specialist for like fine tuning it? Or is there like a a general guy like Bob who goes to every bike and is like, oh, time to fix it. (laughs) Uh,
2: Typically at Worlds, we have like a a small team of mechanics who work on the whole team's bikes, which is just fine. It, it takes like t- 10 minutes to work on a bike at most, and they have a lot of time. But at the Champions League, actually, uh, they're not sending us with a mechanic, so I'm going to have to do it myself.
3: Oh, have you uh, yeah. buddied up to your mechanic and been like, teach me the ways? Have you been an apprentice?
2: Uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's the most, th- the, It's just annoying. You have to like waste your energy to fix your bike when when you could be resting in between races.
3: Mm, I can see that being definitely a, uh, an issue. What has your bike ever given you in terms of an issue in the past? And is it common or is it not common to have the issue that you had?
2: In track, it's, it's pretty uncommon. The bikes are like, they're very straightforward. Just a single speed bike, uh, no, no gears, no brakes. There's not a lot that could fail really. You just have to, like have some sense of bike mechanics, and you're good. Oh, brilliant!
1: They're single speed bikes.
2: Uh, like fi- single speed fixies. So like the there's no like ratchet in the hub that makes you so you can't stop pedaling really.
1: Okay, so they're they're like time trial bikes basically. Uh,
2: time trial bikes are a bit different, but yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, interesting. So, is this the kind of bike you could just go to a store and buy, or does it have to be specially made for you?
2: No, a lot of stores will sell them. I mean, they're like probably the most simple bike you could possibly like think of making.
1: Okay, and a question I was kind of thinking about before we even got on is in a, a scratch race, <clears throat> first of all, what was your winning time? Um,
2: I think it was 60 laps, 15K, and I think our average speed was just under 55K an hour. So I think... That'd be around 17 minutes, 16 minutes.
1: Okay. So it's pretty quick. Yeah. How do they decide where you line up? Like if 24 cyclists are there, how do they decide who's in front, who's in back to begin with?
2: Uh, Based on the UCI points you're ranking. So if you're ranked number one, you start first all the way down to the 24th person. And if I remember correctly, I was like pretty far back.
1: Okay, and so there's there's no, like, it's not like F1 where you, you do, like, a test lap to see what your speed is.
2: No, it, it's not like that, I guess. But it, it's similar. Like, you have to perform throughout the season to get a good spot.
1: Okay, and then how, how many laps did it take you to move into, like, a front position? Um,
2: oh, it, it doesn't take long. It's For a scratch race, it doesn't matter as much because um, a lot happens in the race and it slows down, speeds up. So it is not a big disadvantage being at the back, but if you're in the back, let's say at an elimination race and there's an elimination happening next lap when they let you go, it's not very ideal. So you have to waste a lot of energy to get over to the top of people.
1: Does anyone get eliminated in a scratch race?
2: Technically you can get taken out of the race if you get lapped
1: twice. Twice. Okay. Okay. So it's slightly, actually at your level, it's it's almost unlikely unless someone gets hurt, Right.
2: Uh no, it it happens. It it like I said, it's like uh the eighteen like I think best UCI points people, and then like continental uh champions. So like some continents are not as good as the others, so but they get the spot. So they're not as like uh developed in racing, you could say.
1: Oh okay, okay. And were you the only representative from Canada?
2: Uh yeah, that's you're only allowed one. uh, Person in from each country.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: That's interesting. Um, I didn't really think of that, but um, it'll be something to definitely watch out for. Is there is there a place where we can watch you race, Dylan? Is it, uh, like a website or a broadcast for the the Champions League? Uh yeah, it's
2: actually uh, it's going to be on CBC. Nice. I think so. I think the racing's at. Evening time in Europe, so it's going to be around like early afternoon lunchtime
0: for uh, Canada time. There you go. You can watch it over brunch. Yeah. Nice. And um, obviously, the preparation for this has probably taken up a lot of your attention. What else have you been working on, though, since we last spoke to you a year ago? Not much. I just mostly I just train and then. I hang out with my friends and
2: just pretty simple life, I guess. Yeah, just dominating.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> we
2: can all
1: relate. Why not?
0: We're all we're all professional elite level athletes. Yeah, it's going number to one history. in Canada. Number yeah, one, of course. You know? Awaken, <laughs> dominating. A day in the life. <laughs> so we're in center feet. Now, we love to see it, and we love to see your progress, and we look forward to seeing you continue to go to another level when you go to Europe?
3: Yeah, I do have kind of like one fun question. I think I know the answer to it, but it's something my buddy and I were talking about at his wedding because he he's a huge fan. Shout out to Mason, by the way. And happy wedding. But he actually, he mentioned you by name because he's from Milton. He wants to know if, like how often, if ever, do you change your tires in a race or after a race?
2: That's, the national team will do it for me, but I think it just kind of like uh you just make your own judgment based on when you need to change your tires like when they start like you can just look a new tire is like uh you can just feel it's more rubbery, and like if you feel an old tire it's like you can start feeling like uh almost like a a texture to it and then, it, then it's and you can see sometimes that it's worn out and it's it's just time to throw them out after that oh that's fair, that's fair.
1: Do you pay for any of your equipment, Dylan?
2: Uh now, not really. For track, everything's pretty much covered for equipment wise. Right on. But road, I'll pay for some equipment.
1: Sweet. And where, where can our fans find you on social media, Dylan?
2: I guess I only really use Instagram, so just at Dylan Bibic.
1: D Y L A N B I B I C. Yep.
3: Sweet. Putine. Yeah, we didn't ask one of our guests, and they got kind of offended. <laughs> they got upset, so like, yeah. They, actually, they messaged us after, and we're like, where was my poutine question? All right, <clears throat> Mr. Dylan, being Canadian and being down the road from Aramels Town Center, where it has you know New York fries and all that stuff, have you mm-hmm. ever had a poutine before? Uh, yeah. All right, and what is your poutine of choice? If you're on a desert island and you had to pick one type of poutine, what would you take? Oh, I guess just like classic poutine or... I don't know. I've had one at uh,
2: New York Fries before. My friend worked there for a bit and he just, he got me a good one.
3: It was pretty good. <laughs> what did it have on it? It was just a basic poutine, I guess, cheese curds and gravy. Uh, yeah, that gravy is a mushroom based gravy. I used to work there myself too. So it's fun fact, it's vegetarian for all you vegetarians out there.
1: Guy, it's it's awesome that you won like your first time out Dylan. That's That's sick, buddy. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) That's crazy, man. Like, you you, you talk so confident, but you're so laid back about it, too. Like, I I don't know. I have a feeling you're going to kick some serious ass when it comes to the Champions League as well. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com.
0: On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners.
1: You can also sign up to become a PSP insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience where no sport is left behind.